Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Now, continuing from two weeks ago, okay, we learned, you guys ready? The closer the rapture is to the tribulation, the more of the birth pangs we're going to see. You guys understand that, okay? The closer we are, the rapture takes place to when the tribulation starts, the more you and I, as the body of Christ, are going to see. We're going to see a lot of these. We're going to experience a lot of what we talked about. Now, we have talked so far about six major birth pangs, six of them, okay? Three of them have already been fulfilled. Now, they've been fulfilled under the guise of just normal, worldly things. But when tied into Scripture, you go, whoa, Whoa, now, we didn't, we're not gonna talk, we don't have time to talk about the last three, although I'll mention them here, okay, but let me tell you what we have talked about, okay? One of the first major birth pangs that we saw was World War I and then World War II, a continuation. You go, really? Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew 24, 7, he said this, listen, for nation will rise against nation, okay? And kingdom against kingdom. That's what Jesus said. Now, to you and I, we go, yeah, of course. We see that going on today, right? We have we have this tension of racism, and we have all of this stuff, but it goes deeper than that. When Jesus said kingdom against kingdom, that was a Jewish idiom saying, there's going to be a world war, and it's going to affect Israel. And see, World War One and World War Two were a continuation. It was a Jewish idiom. Let's start back there. It's a Jewish idiom, guys, that said this is a world war. Plus, he he also said there'll be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. Now, we see all of that. But that was the very first. See, most most people believe that World War II was a continuation of World War I because that also affected Israel. That was the first birth pain. The second birth pang we saw, guys, was the reestablishment of Israel. May 15th, 1948, what happened? Something that's unprecedented, guys, in our lifetime. A nation that was destroyed, guys, became a nation once again. And the Bible says this, that the generation to see this would be alive to see the return of Jesus. Now, I don't know how much a generation is. Is a generation 70 years? Is a generation 80? Is a generation 100? Either way, there's a lot of old people who were, in, who were, who, who saw this in 1948 that are still alive that are going to see that they're, well, we're getting close. You understand that, right? If a generation is 100 years old, we have till when? Really? I mean, I don't, you can't even say 2048. Because a baby wouldn't have, wouldn't have understood what happened in Israel. It would have to be somebody going, oh, I get this. So maybe 2030, 2040, maybe, maybe. I don't know. But I know that that was a birth pain. Then we saw another birth pain that happened. It was Jewish control of the Temple Mount. 
This happened in 1967, the Six-Day War. Before that, Arab controlled the Temple Mount. Now it's under Jewish control, if you will, although they still allow the Muslims to oversee it. It's interesting, okay? You can go up there. It's under Jewish control, but you have to do... And it's, and it's, and it's crazy if you go to Israel. That's what happened, but they have control of it. Now... A birth pain we haven't seen is Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. Okay, this hasn't happened yet, but we're very, very, very close. Okay, that's when God starts a war. Russia from the north with all of its little coalition will come in and start to, and, and God's going to intervene. It's not the Israeli army. It's God that's going to take them out. And you guys can read it. It was amazing. We haven't seen that yet. But the closer we are to what's going to happen, we might be able to see it. We might be going, oh. Because whatever Russia's doing today might lead into, well, what's your point, Ben? Are you giving us a history lesson? No, my point is I want your heart to be ready. The other birth pain we looked at, guys, if you recall, is we're going to see a one-world government. One world government, guys, and if you go on to the World Economic Forum, you'll see that there is a one, it's called a new world order, or you'll hear terms like, you'll hear terms like build back better, you'll hear, they're trying to get us all on one page, okay? And you go, what do you mean? Well, it's the three-legged stool of Babylon. You go, what's that? If you're taking note, it's economics, they want to, they want us to have a cryptocurrency, okay? I don't know if you realize this, but we've been in a cashless society for a long time. We really have. I mean, we still, some of us still carry cash and we look at like we're weird, right? You pull out cash, you're like, what is that? Do you realize that I can't go wash my vehicle at a certain car wash unless I use a credit card only or a debit card? Okay. The second of the three-legged guys is this, it's politics. So you have economics, you have politics, and then the third, believe it or not, this will blow your mind, religion. They all want a one-world religion. Now, you guys realize they've been pushing that for a long time. You get that, right? Do you remember the bumper sticker that says coexist and had all the symbols? Coexist, Christians, all this. This is what's going to happen. And they're going to push a world to, to a one world government. But then add health in there somewhere. Health. Wow. What is the world going to look like? Out of the one world government, guys, we see the sixth birth pang, and that is the ten kingdoms ruling. And we talked all about what the ten kingdoms might be. We talked about how they look down and everything else. It's incredible. It's incredible to see where the world is going. Now, let me just say this, okay? Guys, put on your thinking caps, okay? What the enemy tries to do, listen is distract us from the truth so we're not ready. You understand that, right? If I was going to break in your house, I'm going to break in your house when you're not ready. I'm not going to come at 4 o'clock in the afternoon while you're grilling burgers going, hey, I'm here to break in your house. I'm going to wait till you're not ready. And that's what the enemy's doing to the world. How? Well, we have certain distractions, guys, going on via COVID-19, coronavirus, different stuff happening that we, we're not, we're focused on that. 
that we can't see, oh, well, this is going on in the world. And we have, we have uh, Canada, we have, I mean, all different ones getting ready. You go, okay, okay. Out of the ten kingdoms, guys. Now, where are we? If you're a believer in Jesus, we're not here. We're in heaven. We're celebrating. We've been invited to a dinner. Are you guys going? Right? Well, I don't have anything to wear. Well, that's okay. I have the, ro- the, the, the white righteous robe of Jesus. Okay? We're not going to be here, but what's happening down on earth, guys, is the Antichrist is going to rise from that. Now, let me just caution you, okay? Our job is not to look for the Antichrist. Your job is to look for Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on him. But people are like, is that him? Is that him? Could that be him? Is that him? Well, look what he's doing. I'm not worried about that. I look to the east and ready to see the the clouds part and be like, that's what I want to do. But here's my problem. My problem is that God made me a shepherd and I love you and I want you to go with me. It breaks my heart. And we see the Antichrist is, and that's going to be the seventh birth pain, guys. The Antichrist is going to rise out of that. That out of the ten nations, he's going to subdue three of them, so there'll only be seven. But he'll rule. He'll rule. Then the eighth birth pang, if you're taking note, that we're not going to talk about in this series, is there's going to be a period of peace and false security. Hey, everything's cool with the world again, right? Everything's good. Nobody's fighting anybody. Nobody's mad at anybody. And uh, that's going to be false peace. And then the last, and I pray we're not here or even close to it, is going to be the signing of the seven-year peace treaty, the covenant That's what we're going to see. The Antichrist is going to do that. He's going to sign a seven-year peace treaty, okay? Well, this morning, okay, we're going to tackle a major event uh, prior to the tribulation or, everybody say or, during the beginning of it, okay? So it's either going to come right before or right, right at the beginning. And what it is, it's the rebuilding of the third temple, the third temple. Now, listen, at Calvary Chapel, I've got to teach you the Bible. I have to teach you the Bible because to some people, they go, Ben, it's Sunday morning. What are you doing talking about temples? That doesn't, that doesn't have anything. To, no, but you need to understand the scriptures. So to fully understand what's happening, we have to do some homework concerning the first temple and the second temple. You, you understand that. Before the temple was, guys, it was the tabernacle. This is what Moses and all of them would move. Boom, boom, boom. They set up, and they would set up the tabernacle. Well, they got to the place where they were able to build a temple. Okay? Now, here's what you need to know. Okay? The question is, you go, Ben, why is there not a third temple in Israel now? Because when Jesus died and rose again, he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. You go, yeah, yeah, okay. You became the living temple. We don't need a temple made with walls anymore. We don't need to sacrifice animals. This was it. There's no need for a physical temple in Jerusalem anymore, guys, because God dwells in the heart of his people. God dwells. Can I get an amen? Amen. You're the temple. But for the sake of time, I'm not even going to go deep into the temples. I'm just going to tell you and give you a brief summary, okay? So the first temple, guys, picture in your mind, in Judaism was built by a Jewish King Solomon. You guys remember King Solomon? Who became the ruler of the Jewish people about 967 BC. 
More than 3,000 officials were appointed to supervise the massive construction project of this first temple. What was it for? It was a central place for a ritual sacrifice. That's what they would do, guys, in the Jewish religion. That's what they would do. They would take lambs and they would sacrifice. They were atoning. Everybody say atoning for our sin. It didn't take away our sin. It just atoned. It just covered. That's what they would do. Well, how many lambs do you need to sacrifice? Well, there was a bunch. Well, guess what? The Babylonians came in and destroyed it about 400 years after the construction. 400 years. So they had the temple. This was great. Everything's going good. Babylonians come in and destroy it. Okay? Then what happened is the Jews go, oh, no, we need a new temple. So they began constructing a new temple in 515 B.C. Now, here's what you need to know. The second temple was started construction by a fellow by the name of Ezra. But you'll know it as Herod's temple, which is weird because Herod took the temple and he made it better and he made it more elaborate. But it was Ezra who actually constructed the temple. The problem was, is about 70 A.D., Titus Aspasian and the Romans came in and destroyed that just as well. So now you have two temples destroyed, but we need to understand what the purpose of the temples were. Let me give you six of them real quick. You go, what was the purpose of the temple? Well, first and foremost, the temple was a place of sacrifice. The sin offering typified the, uh, the atonement made by the Lamb of God, who was once offered for the sins of the world. So it was a place of sacrifice. This is what we do. Now, here's what you need to know. In the Temple Mount, there has to be running water to offer a sacrifice. There has to be running water. I find it interesting... Now, I'm not going against any Jewish authority, but I find it interesting that on the Temple Mount itself, there is no running water. You go, okay. Russell, you got that? Put that in, put, file that as, okay, hold on, hold on. Okay? Was there running water? It was from the sky. From the sky. Yeah. There was, no, they gotta be running. Not falling, my friend, not falling. Okay. The second, guys, is the temple was the place for prayer and praise. That's what you went. Do you guys remember in Isaiah 56, 7, uh, we read, he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Do you remember when Jesus went in there and they were selling all the stuff and he's like, mm-mm, and he tied a whip of cords and he flipped over everything and it was chaos and this is our Jesus. And, and he said, you shall not make my house a house, my house shall be a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. And so this is where he gets it. He says, this is where it should be. This is where it should be. That's the purpose of the temple. The third is the temple was a place for the consecration of persons and things. You would consecrate things to the Lord in the temple. The fourth, guys, was a temple was the place for remembering the law of the Lord. Okay? See, the temple was incomplete until the Ark of the Covenant was brought in. Now, think about the third temple. Let me just kind of tell you what if. What if? Third temple. You guys with me? If, it's, if we build a third temple, where, where's the ark? What if we find the ark? What if we find the ark, and all of a sudden, in the next few days, we find the ark, it's like, oh, well, there we go, because the temple's not complete unless the ark of the covenant is in there. Well, we don't know where the ark is. Just a thought. 
So you're going to get up Monday morning, Tuesday morning. Religious Ark of the Covenant found in Ethiopia. Now, if that happens tomorrow, y'all are going to freak out, aren't you? You're going to be like, what does he know? Yeah. Yeah. Then this place will be packed, won't it? <laughs> He's a prophet. Anyways, okay. But, but, but guys, think about that. Number five, the temple was a place for the union of people. See, the people overlooked their social distinctions and their tribes ignored their tribal jealousies when they ascended to the sacred hill to unite in worship in the one true God. So the temple has to be built so people can feel unified again, no matter what tribe you are. Okay, number six, the temple was a place for the revelation of God. Okay, as they met together, they would listen to God and his instructions. Well, here's the problem. In 70 AD, Titus Aspasian, he came in and he devastated the Jews. He tore down their temple. Could you imagine? This is the place where we were unified. This is the place where we hung out. This is the place where we grew together. This is the place that atoned for our sins. And the Romans just destroyed it. And the dude we thought was our Messiah, our Meshach, the guy we thought that was going to overthrow Rome is dead. He died on a cross. And some people say he rose again, but we don't know. What do we do? What do we do? Was he the Messiah, Sally? I don't know. I hope so. Oh, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And it, and it, guys, it just, it just blew him. Because see, many people believed Jesus was the Messiah, but a lot of people didn't. They didn't. So they, these Orthodox Jews, they have sort of been in limbo spiritually for a long, long time. And so they're going, we want to rebuild our temple. We want to rebuild our temple. Why? Because we want to offer sacrifices again for the atonement of sins. We want a place where we can praise and pray to God. And that's why the Western Wall is so popular. If you go to the Western Wall today, they believe this is part of the wall that goes up to the temple, and they gather to pray. They gather to pray. This is why. This is why. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, so let me, let me stay true to my notes or else I'll, I'll come back and go, oh, well, don't say that, don't say this. Okay, so what do we know to be true? We know that there's not a temple in Israel right now. There's not a third temple, feathers, okay? But we know that there's something called the Temple Institute today. They have, a tab, they have, a, they have established a Temple Institute, and you can go inside for a fee and see all the items needed for the third temple. Okay, you go, well, first of all, you'll sit down. They'll show you a brief movie of the temple. They're going to show you the table of showbread. They're going to show you the altar that they're going to use. They're going to show you the menorah, and then they'll show you the priestly garments. It's all there. You can see it. You can see everything that's needed for temple sacrifice. Okay, now the temple institute comes out and they says, okay, this is what we need. Because here's what they say, the Torah... The Torah teaches us that positive commandment to build the temple was given by God to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai, the day following Yom Kippur. It is counted as the 613 mitzvah or laws or commandments that Israel is perpetually obligated to fill. They say, we're breaking the law by not having a temple. We're breaking the law. And in the cla- in, in, in his classic work, the Book of the Commandments, there's a guy. Um, his authority is Mamad 
Mammonites, and he explains the detail of each one of the Torah's commandments. Here he explains God's instruction was to build the temple as follows. He says this, quote, The Creator commanded us to erect a chosen house for His service, where sacrificial offerings will be brought all the time, and the professionals and the festive pilgrimage will be constructed there three times a year. The verse states, And they shall make me a sanctuary, and I will dwell amongst them. So they go back to Exodus 25, verse 8. We have explained that this commandment in general includes many details. The menorah, the table, the altar... These are intrinsic parts of the temple and of all detailed ordinances of the commandments, including the construction, its design, and all explained in the track eight of the compelled purposes for his purpose. So he's already laid it all out. He's laid it all out. And you go, well, Ben, what are the three major points? Here it is. This is what he's saying. He says the purpose, here's major point. The purpose of the commandment of building the temple in order to sacrifice or to offer the sacrifice and a perpetual commandment that's binding to us in every successor. We're breaking the law. We should be offering sacrifices. We don't know what to do. My Jewish brother died, but we didn't have an atonement. I don't know what to do. They're tripping. You guys understand. It says the vessels of the temple are intrinsic part. The accepted design of the holy temple, which is described here, basically needs to be put. The principles are universally accepted as legal binding by the great Torah scholars throughout the generation. So they're going, we need, we, need to, we need to have that. We need to have that. We need to build a temple. We need a sacrifice. We should be praying. We should be coming in unity. So what's your question? Why haven't they built a temple? It's been 2,000 years. Why? Why? Because you understand they can't build a temple on the Temple Mount where they want to. Okay? Because there is called the Dome of the Rock there. It's Muslim holy site. So anytime it's ever brought up, there's just no way. There's just no way. So for 2,000 years, guys, they've been fighting, if you will, more in the latter times because they want to build. We, we need to build this here, but we can't have this because this, dec- this desecrates the Temple site. This isn't good, unless there's another site somewhere else. What if there's another site that has nothing to do with the Temple Mount, but has running water? What if they find something? Well, that's that's a game changer, isn't it? We can build our temple. We won't have it. We won't have a holy war. We can build our third temple. See, I'm giving you all the what-ifs. I'll give you some more in a minute. Let's see what God says about this, okay? So there are four Bible verses, guys, that gives us insight to the rebuilding of the temple, okay? I believe that part of the seven-year peace treaty is going to be the approval for Israel to rebuild their temple. Hey, you want peace? Okay, think about this. What if Ezekiel in 38 and 39 happens, and then the world's like, don't mess with Israel, Okay, they'll, look at all the, ooh, wow, that was, and then they say, in order to have peace, Israel goes, listen, I'll tell you what, we, what we really want is we want, we want peace with all y'all, but we want our third temple built. Okay, okay. Well, how long will it take you to build? It won't take us about 60 days. We can build it like that. Well, let's sign a seven-year peace treaty, okay? The reason God speaks about this, guys, because 
in the middle of the tribulation, the three and a half year, the Antichrist is going to go in the temple and he's going to declare himself God. You go, okay, let's see. Daniel 9.27, you guys there? Look what he says. Then he, who's he? He's the Antichrist, guys, circle that word. That's the Antichrist. He's going to confirm, I want you to circle that word, confirm, okay, a covenant with many for one week. Now, we need to read the Bible like it says, okay? You go, one week, that's only seven days. No, he's talking about a seven-year period. One week in, in the Jewish mindset is seven years, okay? He's going to confirm a covenant for many, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. On the wings of abomination shall be the one makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. You go, what's that? Okay, two, two specific words I want you to see, and then we'll come back to that, okay? He, speaking of the Antichrist, and I want you to circle the word confirm. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation just so you get a better feel for it, okay? The New Living says this, the ruler will make a treaty, okay, with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings as a climax to his terrible deeds. He will set up sacrilegious objects that causes desecration until the fate decreed for his defiler is finally poured out on him. You go, Pastor, let's talk. Okay. So the prince here in verse 26 is the Antichrist, and we were introduced to him back in verse 8. We didn't see it, but you can make note of that, okay? He's going to pact, he's going to make a pact or a peace treaty with many, with Jewish people at the beginning of the tribulation. If you are here, which I pray you are not, when you see the signing of the peace treaty, that's the beginning of the tribulation. God has warned us over and over and over. In the middle of the tribulation, the three and a half mark, they have been sacrificing. They have been going, this is great. We're back to, this is amazing. I didn't think the world would ever be like this. <gasps> He's going to come into the temple. He's going to sit down. He goes, we're not sacrificing anymore. I'm God. Worship me. Well, the Jews are going to freak out, right? They're going to rend their clothes. They're going, no, 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 no. Are you kidding me? That's... That causes desolation. You're in the holy temple. You're in that site. Nothing. Now, let's go back for just a second. You know that word confirm that I told you to circle? Here's what it means in the Hebrew. You ready? It means to enforce, to strengthen, or to pressure. That's what it means. So let's go back and read it real quick. Then the Antichrist shall... Enforce, strengthen, or pressure a covenant with many. Interesting. Interesting. Okay? Because it seems like there has to be a peace treaty in place already to enforce it or to strengthen it, right? You don't, you can't strengthen something that's not already there. Huh. Whoa. Here's just a thought. What if I told you that there was already in place a peace treaty between Palestine and Israel? You go, no. In 2010, it's called the Oslo Accords, 
And it was the Arab israeli peace process, 2010, they started it. But just recently, do you guys remember what President Trump did? He had the Abraham Accord in September 2020. So there's already the groundwork in place. There's already the groundwork. But the Antichrist is either going to come in and go, let me take that to a new level, and I'm going to enforce, well, let's just, let's just say strengthen this. He's also going to enforce this. He's also going to pressure the people to do this. This is crazy. Now, I know where your minds are, because my mind is uh, on the movies that we've seen, Left Behind and all of that stuff. We've seen this, right, where he's, where he's, this is nuts. This is nuts. So there's going to be, there's going to be a temple. Let me give you another one, guys. Turn, say goodbye, say goodbye here to Daniel. Say bye, Daniel. Go over to Matthew 24. You guys should already be there. Matthew 24, picking it up in verse 15. Notice what, notice what he says. He says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, do you guys see this? Spoken by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place. He says, whoever reads, let him understand. Okay, so what does God do? If you look at scripture for any length of time, he's already given us a preview what's going to happen. There was already a fellow by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes who desolated, des- desecrated the temple. Okay, he he basically was, and so he's already giving us that. But just like we talked about the the rapture, the harpazo of the church, we already saw that, right? Right? Who can name? All right, here we are. Who can name for five hundred dollars? Who can? No, there's no money involved. Enoch walked with God, (laughs) hanging out with God, fellowshipping with God. God took him. It's a rapture. It's a harpazo. So God has already been showing us what's about to happen. If you're with us on Wednesday night, we're going through the book of Revelation. And we are right in the middle of the tribulation. And we've seen war. We've seen famine. We've seen death. We've seen all kinds of stuff, right? But what's happening is the apostle John wrote this with the Old Testament readers in mind, but also to confuse Nero. Nero's like, John's crazy. He's just an old man's crazy. He didn't know what he's writing. I saw grasshoppers flying. Okay, yeah. Too much, too much out in the sun. But those who read the Old Testament and know the plagues that were found, darkness in Egypt, they go, oh, we understand. So he writes in symbolism, guys. It's our job to detect the symbolism and go, oh, wow. Wow. So God is giving us everything that's about to happen. He's telling us. Why hasn't Jesus come yet? Because he loves you. His grace is so amazing that he doesn't want to live without you. And so he employs pastors to open their arms and say, yes, you've got to come. You've got to come. This is real. Listen, guys, this is so real that I, I can't stand behind this pulpit and not, and not warn you what's happening in the church today. You see, the worldwide church 
has, has gotten away from the teaching of the Bible. The church across the United States has gotten away from teaching. You see, because, because we're human and I want to fill seats, I don't know if I want to teach you the truth. Like, like seriously. I would love to tell you the champion that's in you. I would love to tell you, go out and get him. Hoorah. I would love, but God has compelled me to teach the truth and to warn you and go, listen, you're all those things in Christ, but be ready. Be ready. Don't think for a second, church, that as you step out to serve the Lord, you're not going to be attacked. Don't think for a second, oh, it's going to come from all angles. It's going to try to get you to be tripped up and to quit. I'm telling you, I've been saying this for years. But that's okay because you're overcomers. That's okay. So what is, what is Jesus saying, Matthew? He says, guys, when you see the abomination of desolation, in order to have an abomination of desolation, Eva, there has to be a third temple. So Jesus is going, there has to be a third temple. Okay. Now, say goodbye to Matthew. Go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is the third passage. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, picking it up in verse 2. He says, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will come unless a falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God. Do you guys see that? Showing himself as God. Whoa, what are you talking about, Paul? Here's the first thing he says to you and I. Don't let anyone deceive you by any means. For that day, capitalized, the day of the Lord, right, will not come unless there is a, help me church, falling away. There's a falling away that's happening now. There's a falling away. I can't, I can't explain it to you. There's a falling away in the body of Christ. Do you guys remember when the children of Israel, guys, when they came out of Egypt, right? And God showed themselves so faithful. I mean, could you imagine? There you are. You see the Red Sea part, and you're like, no way. This is awesome. And you're walking through on dry ground, and you're looking, waiting. Man, and you see little fish swimming that way, and you're just like, this is crazy. This is crazy. God is amazing, right? So you, you get over to the other side, and then you start complaining about God. Oh, I really wish we were in Egypt. Uh, they have better leaks over there. I'm, we're, we're starving to death. And then you start complaining about God, Okay. But after all that, God still loves you, and then you find yourself walking to get to the promised land, but the Amalekites come after you. You know who the Amalekites are, right? You know, they don't play fair. The Amalekites hide behind the bushes, and guess who they pick off? The stragglers, the tired, the weak. Let me say this to you. Look at your life. When you're attacked, when are you attacked? When you're at your weakest. When you don't have the strength. Usually for me, it's Thursdays. Thursdays and Fridays because it's been a long week. I've preached Sunday and here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Boom. The importance of getting rest but being strengthened in the fellowship. If you're not, that's when the, that's when the Amalekites come. Boom, pull them up. This is why God created gospel community. 
so that we can be together and we can strengthen each other. This is, this is, this is why. He said, a day is coming unless a falling away. So we see a falling away. He says, now, guess what happens? He says, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Okay, so he's going to go in the temple. Do you guys see that? In the temple of God. Okay, now I want you to take notice. Paul doesn't use the term antichrist in his letter. He doesn't say the antichrist. The term used in the New Testament is only by John. But this is a name used to identify the last great world dictator whom Paul designated as that man of sin, the sin of perdition or the lawless one. So when we see that, we know exactly who it is. Now, what's he going to do? Look about it. He says he's going to oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God. You go, okay. In our world today, there is an aggressive and climatic revolt against God. Everything that is God, no. Uh-uh. Stop it. This is what he is, right? Why? Because it prepares the way for the appearance of the man of sin. In our world today, we might be able to mention God, but you realize that's going away very, very quickly. It's going away quickly. You see, we could say in the name of God, but we could never mention Jesus. Don't pray in Jesus' name. And now it's going, listen, we don't even want to hear about God We know, guys, that the world today is making an aggressive revolt against God and the word of God and his followers. Listen to what Isaiah said. You guys know this. And jot this down because I think it's a verse that you, you just it would be good to memorize. Okay, Isaiah 5 and 20 says this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Do you guys see this? He says, woe to you. The implication is that the world is going to call evil good and good evil. Let me go out on a limb here. Church, help me. Are we there yet? Are we there? Are we, are we calling good evil and evil good? Do you realize that there have been several news stories of two people fighting and beating each other up, and instead of stopping so nobody gets hurt, everybody has their cell phone on and they're cheering the bad guy to win. Woe. Woe to you who call darkness for light. Wow. Guys, listen, listen. If you get nothing else out of this teaching, our world is a pressure cooker. Okay? We're about to either explode or implode. Either way, things have become out of control. So Paul says, wait until the world aggressively opposes the things of God. Then the man of sin will be revealed.
if you're here and you're 40 years old or older, you remember certain commercials that were taboo. You did not show those on, on prime time. ABC, NBC, CBS, they would say, no, 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 that's too risque. We don't do that. Do you realize what our kids are seeing today? Do you realize? You see, back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, they started introducing just a little bit. Just a little bit. We want to sell Pepsi, so we'll put a very good-looking model to sell Pepsi. No harm, no foul. She's just drinking a Pepsi. But today, our kids are seeing some of the most ungodly, everything that goes against what you believe is on TV or on the Internet or on YouTube. And what do we do in church? We're swallowing it, hook, line, and sinker. Boom. Oh, well, that's just how, that's our society. And, and the Lord says, no, no, no. When you see this, Paul says, when you see the things, everything that goes against the word, he says, be ready. Be ready. Okay, last turn, last turn. Revelation 11. Revelation 11, verses 1 and 2. John says, then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And an angel stood saying, rise and measure what? The temple of God. So there has to be a temple. Measure the altar and those who worship there, but leave out the court which is outside of the temple. Do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, for they will tread in the holy city underfoot for 42 months. This is so clear that John says, I'm just giving you, okay, so a measuring rod, guys, it was consisted of a reed plant that grew in the Jordan to about 10 to 15, okay? Now, that doesn't mean anything to us. I would tell Adam, give me your tape measure. Because that's what we know. Give me your tape measure. Give me your ruling. This is what it is. He says, go ahead. And he says, measure the temple of God. Measure the altar. In order to measure, you have to have something to measure. So God is telling us here, going, there's going to be a temple. There's a temple and an altar. And then this refers to the holy place and the holy of holies. The altar of incense is in the holy place. He says, but don't don't measure the the outer court of the temple. It's here in Scripture. Now, the temple, guys, will re, is going to be rebuilt. Okay? Not sure where. Not sure when. I know the Dome of the Rock stands on the Temple Mount. Okay? So you go, well, that's a no-go then. So here's the problem. If anyone tries to desecrate the mosque in any way, the Arabs will pronounce a jihad. You guys know what a jihad is? A holy war. I mean, they're go, they'll, 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 I mean, this is it. So they can't, they can't go up there and do that. You go, Ben, okay, so, so are you saying that we have time? <laughs> we have time, right? No, here's what I'm saying. Let me give you some possible scenarios that it could go on the Temple Mount. You guys ready? Number one, what if Ezekiel 38 and 39, that battle, the Arab nations under intents and, all intents and purposes are wiped out? Did you think about that? Because in 1967, Haas, in 1967, there was a lot of the bordering countries in Israel that are now at peace. See, you can run to Jordan where you couldn't before. But what if this takes out all the rest of them and there's nobody going, oh, we'll fight you? Because we know that they're going to be burying bodies for how long? Seven months. 
Wow, now, now Israel has a place to... What if the mosque is replaced? Okay, let me give you another scenario. What if the peace treaty, they go, no, 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 that's not what happened. But the peace treaty laid out by the Antichrist goes, hey, I've got an idea. Let's put a, let's put a wall where we both can sacrifice on the Temple Mount. You see, it's big enough. And if they put a wall, if you go over here, we've been there. I got in trouble there with Pastor Bill. I don't know why. But what if they said we could coexist? I looked at it. It's crazy. It's big enough to put a temple there. The Muslims come up this side. The Jewish comes up this side. Can't we all get along? This is cool. That could happen. That could happen. The peace treaty could go, yes, this is what we're going to do. You guys want peace? You give them this part of the land. I do know this. There's going to be a temple. Now, let's close our Bible study with this, guys. Now, don't put your Bibles away. I'm just saying I'm closing. You know, pastors have a lot of closings, okay? But I say closing because that gets the worship team ready to come back up. All four passages describe events which occur in relation to a Jewish temple. You guys with me? You know there's going to be one built, okay? In all four passages, we find this takes place during the middle of the tribulation. This tells us that a third temple will definitely be rebuilt during the tribulation. We're not sure when or really how long it's going to take. Some of the Orthodox Jews, the rabbis, went to Benjamin Netanyahu this year and wanted to offer a sacrifice on the Temple Mount. Okay? You know what that told me? It doesn't have to be an elaborate building like we saw King Solomon's with gold and everything else. It could literally be a tent. Depending how close we are, to the rapture of the church, to the tribulation, you and I may get some glimpses of, of the construction project. And when you watch it on TV, you're going to go, Pastor Ben said that! <gasps> or we may never see it at all. We may never see it at all. And all of you guys, you're so dreaded, and you're thinking about tomorrow, I have to go to work tomorrow. You may not even have to go to work tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Okay, don't worry about it until your alarm goes off and you're still here tomorrow morning. But today, you're like, cool, God could come. All right. Pastor Ben, why did you put this in our series? I put this in our series because the Jews have waited for 2,000 years to sacrifice once again. And the question is, are we living in the last days? You see, even 1,900 years ago, maybe not. Maybe not as close as today. But I will tell you this. You ready? Let me give you one more, nidbit, one more tidbit that you're going to go, wow, wow. In Israel, they need a red heifer to sacrifice. A red heifer is a cow born, okay? Now, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, didn't have a red heifer. They had a red heifer born. The problem is, is it has a couple of white hairs. 
It has to be pure, no white hairs. They have two red heifers right now, as of March 2021, that are in the stall that they're hoping that those red hairs will, those white hairs will change to red. See, they're 99.9, but they can't offer it right now. If you hear in the news that the red heifers is 100% red heifer, those are ready to sacrifice. Coincidence? I think God is telling us, be ready. Be ready. Do you guys realize, this is not in my notes, so it's free. Do you ever stop and think about Noah? The people around thought Noah was crazy. Dude, it's never rained before. Are you kidding me? What do you mean it's going to flood? Noah. Hey, I got an idea, Noah. After it doesn't rain, we'll use the ark as a hotel. What do you think? I mean, it's this big. I mean, what? Noah, you, you're nuts. And the Bible says, guys, that Noah, in Noah's day, they weren't even paying attention. You see, because the length of time it took Noah to build the ark, people got bored with it. Ah, yeah. If you had visitors, Amanda, come to your house, they'd be like, hey, what's that old dude doing? Oh, he's building an ark. Been building it for a long time. It's crazy. Until the day that the Lord closed the door. And it began to rain. You see, God's going to come back for us, guys. He's going to come back for us. Ben, what's the purpose of this series? It's really simple. I want to prepare your hearts for the return of Jesus. I want to warn you that, that we're under attack. Spiritual attacks. We're there. And I want you to love life and forgive each other and love each other because life's too short. We have to forgive, guys. Are people going to hurt us? Yeah, they're going to hurt us. That's just part of it. But Christians forgive and love because we know that Jesus did that for us. But the bottom line is nothing of the, none of this matters unless you're, you're right with God. See, if you're not right with God, then the teaching, you're just like, oh, yeah, well. I don't want you to be left behind. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And I don't know who's watching, but we'll give them an opportunity and us as well to surrender our hearts to God. Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. I love this series, God. I love you. And God, I don't know who's watching or who you've been speaking to, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit. It's not me, but I always want to give an opportunity, God, an invite, if you will, to join the family of God. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you might say, Pastor Ben, I think you were talking to me. I'm not sure if I'm right with the Lord. But I want to be. If you're watching online or you're listening via podcast or you're here today and, and God, only God is speaking to your heart. You know him. You could hear him because you're feeling, I'm not right with the Lord and I'm not, sure if I would, I'm not sure if I would go if he came back today, then I want you to know that, that you can. 
but you've got to surrender your life to Jesus. How do I do that, Pastor? In a moment, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand. And by you raising your hand, you're saying to God that I want to follow him. I want, your sins, I want my sins forgiven, and I want him to come into my life, and I want him to change me. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, Lord, those of you that are saved, praying to heaven. If you're here today and you're not right with the Lord, but you want to be, God is moving in your heart. Would you just lift up your hand? I want to pray for you. This is a special moment between you and the Lord. Would you just say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my heart. I want Jesus to come and change me. Would you do that? If you're watching online, I can't see you, but... But just lift up your hand. God sees your heart. And would you pray this prayer? Doesn't, you don't have to say it word for word. Just mean it from your heart. Jesus, I am so sorry for my sin. I've, I've walked in a different direction, but I love you. And I'm going to follow you. I believe you died for me. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you're coming back soon. So, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, man, I want to know about it. Please send me an email. Hit me up on Facebook. Just said, yeah, man, I, I, I prayed that prayer. I'm, I'm excited. Watch what God will do. Trust him. He'll do an amazing thing. If you prayed that prayer in here, Hey, catch me on the way out. Say, hey, I gave my life to the Lord. We want to rejoice with you. We've got a Bible. We've got a Bible study guide to get you on your way. That's what we're here for, man, to, to make disciples and, uh, and to make sure you're in the, in the family of God. Amen? Amen. Next week, guys, next week, we're going to finish up. Okay, Ezekiel 33. You can read it however you want. Um, we're going to finish up just with the watchman's warning. And then we're going to jump into Matthew's gospel. Amen? Amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.